Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am Jeff Burkhart, joined by my man Justin Nutter, getting set to preview Farmageddon, a big matchup coming this Saturday as K-State goes on the road to take on a reeling Iowa State team, a very much a wounded animal backed up against the corner. It is going to be a rock fight in Ames at night under the lights so get ready for that k-state fans and we'll be breaking this one down every which way here momentarily but before we do that a quick request of our listeners to follow us on twitter at college underscore kimball and subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is justin let's go ahead just very briefly here recap what we saw this past saturday k-state at home Tricky spot with Texas Tech coming in off of the big win over Texas, their first win over the Longhorns in Lubbock since 2008. The question that I had posed to you was, would either team really suffer the effects of a hangover? And frankly, just watching the game, it didn't really feel that way. But I came away feeling, despite the fact that there were some spots in that game where you weren't really super thrilled with offensive performance and or defensive performance, the Cats getting a two-score win, and moving to 2-0 in the Big 12, I came away feeling pretty positive about K-State just taking care of business at home. Yeah, you know, early on, if, if, if you want to call it a hangover, you know, Tech didn't look most sharp to start the game. K-State was able to race out to a 13-point lead. In reality, probably should have been a 17-21 point lead. You know, you punch that in on the opening drive. Obviously, it only, it only takes two plays. Then, uh, you know, you get the turnover on downs, and this is where I think, you know, had this game gone the other way, this is a this is a moment that K-State's looking back on. Um, you know, you get that turnover on downs deep in tech territory and are only able to get three points out of it. You know, it, it, that's one where, you know, if you can get up two scores, you know, right out of the gate, you know, tech might start to panic a little bit. But, uh, you know, then it's almost like K-State suffered a hangover within the game itself, right? You know, it's like they got up early and then it's, almost like they put it on autopilot in the second quarter, which allowed Tech to, you know, come back and, and tie the game. Um, and then it was kind of a back-and-forth battle until, you know, Martinez kind of switched it on in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, and uh, the defense really bowed up when it had to. But, um, you know, there were definitely some points where it, it looked like it might go sideways. You know, I think there was a point late in the third quarter, Tech was actually driving with a chance to take the lead. And, K-State's offense to that point had been pretty quiet for a while. So, you know, they they, they come up big uh, to, to force a missed field goal. And then, you know, Adrian goes right up the gut, you know, 60-whatever yards to, to take the lead for good. So, you know, obviously, yeah, the bookends would imply that K-State had a really good game. But, you know, it got a little dicey there in the middle. It would have been nice to see them put together four full quarters. But when it's all said and done, you know, Tech's onside kicking – uh, still down two scores at that point. So, you know, that K-State wins, they cover, you know, with as open as this conference is, you know, I think you'll take a nine-point win where you can get it. But that said, I do think there was some left on the table. Yeah, there were certainly some points out there. You mentioned that the, the turnover on downs early on and also getting the interception deep in tech territory and then you end up giving the ball right back. Again, that that game, if you're, if you're truly firing on all cylinders, you could have had that game at 24 to nothing or 28 to nothing if 
if everything was working at peak efficiency. But again, credit to Texas Tech, and that's a that's a team that's definitely trending in the right direction. And I saw a much more spirited group defensively for, as far as Tech goes compared to what we've seen over the last couple of years with them under the Matt Wells regime and going back further to Cliff Kingsbury. So that Texas Tech, that's going to be a tougher out uh, the further along we get into the Joey McGuire era. So I think that was a very big statement win for K-State to get the job done at home against a team that, again, came in playing with house money and really did a good job of stressing the Wildcats, testing the Wildcats. And frankly, I thought that game was getting away from Kansas State, but the Wildcats do show a lot of resolve in that one when when the game was leveled up at 20 and then you get the missed field goal and then Adrian Martinez delivers that knockout punch again. You like different intangibles that you saw from the Wildcats in that game this past Saturday. So the victory, again, very big for Kansas State as they move to 2-0 in Big 12 play, 4-1 and overall. A couple of quick notes before we get into the preview for this week. The win vaulted K-State up into the tw- the top 20, I should say, in both polls. K-State checking in at 20 at both the AP and the coaches. And then weekly honors, we see Adrian Martinez again pick up another distinction here. Big 12 newcomer of the week for his 287-yard performance. Set a new career high in rushing it with 171 yards and accounted for all four K-State touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, Khalid Duke, really, really uplifting to see him go out and just wreck Texas Tech's offensive line. He collects the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week honor after his three-sack performance, and that uh, total was tied for the fourth highest in a single game in school history. So perhaps a sign of things to come from Khalid Duke. I I know we were all kind of questioning what he could contribute to this defense and the way that Kleiman was speaking about him during the preseason. You wondered whether or not he would be even any kind of a, a significant factor on that, uh, on that side of the ball. But he comes through in a big way, and K-State's going to, frankly, need him to tee off against this Iowa State team that is coming up on deck here for the Cats. So the Tornado Birds here, as we get set for Farmageddon, they check in at 3-2 and two overall, 0-2 oh in Big 12 play. Conference losses at home to Baylor to open up their Big 12 slate. That actually ended an 11-game home game conference winning streak for the Cyclones. So Baylor going into Ames and getting it done, 31-24. to And then here most recently, this past Saturday, it was kind of the, uh, the bell of the ball as far as college football goes here in the early going. The Jayhawks taking down the, uh, the Cyclones 14-11, to a wonky score in Lawrence. Frankly, a game, though, if you watched it, Iowa State – truly did outplay them, and they they really were the first team to kind of just sit on this KU offense, which had just been putting up monster numbers in its first handful of games. To limit KU to 14 points, again, with Iowa State having all the gaffes that they did on special teams and whatnot, they, they definitely left a win on the table in Lawrence. But nonetheless, a loss for Matt Campbell. That was his first L at the hands of the Jayhawks. He was previously 6-0 against KU going into that game. Now, as we get set to turn to Farmageddon this Saturday, uh, one thing I will note here, Iowa State has defeated at least one ranked team in each of the last five seasons. They are 10-13 first-ranked opponents since 2017, and Matt Campbell is 10-17 overall 
uh, versus ranked teams as Iowa State's head coach. Uh, again, Iowa State doing what K-State fans do. We all know college football started in 1993 in Manhattan. Iowa State just kind of writing off that first year for Matt Campbell in 2016, and just everything starts from 2017. But nonetheless, a, an impressive stat that Iowa State has done what it's done against ranked teams. I, I, I will say this, though, and that are a question I'll ask you. How do we feel about this Iowa State team really, I think, at this point, knowing that their only noteworthy performance was a 10 to seven win against Iowa, which a game in which they were trailing and needed a 21 play 99 yard drive to get a game winning touchdown. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it. If you look at the first two scores of their first two games, I don't know that it truly of their first two conference games. I don't know that it really tells the whole story about Iowa state. Like I was able to watch most of that game against Baylor and really it was never particularly as close as the score would imply. Baylor had a couple chances in the second half to go up 17 points and just couldn't quite get it done, you know, kind of let kind of allowed Iowa State to hang around, but I don't know that I ever really felt like the game was in jeopardy. And then, you know, you have the three missed field goals, you have the you have the the muff punt that I know KU was not able to turn into points, you know, just really sloppy game overall, but one in which Iowa Iowa State uh possessed the ball for 35 minutes of game time, you know, like like you said, basically every stat outside of the special teams flaws would imply Iowa State should have won that game but uh yeah you know I know that their defensive stats while they have you know on paper one of the best defenses in the country yeah they they might be a little bit buoyed by what they did against that Iowa team that is just you know hilariously inept on offense so far this season so you know it's hard to say what to expect out of them I know we'll get into it a little more but you know weird things always seem to happen to K-State and Ames while they had a pretty solid winning streak there for years and years um you know, it's kind of started to unravel in the last two meetings. You know, you had uh, Bill Snyder's last game there where K-State was up 17 points in the fourth quarter and couldn't hang on. And then you have uh, Kleiman's only trip there so far when admittedly K-State's defense was pretty well riddled by COVID and Iowa State somehow got through that season pretty well unscathed and handed K-State one of its worst losses, you know, in the last several decades. Um, so it... Uh, you know, I don't really know what to make of them other than, you know, you said it right at the beginning of the cast, you know, they're a wounded animal and, you know, they, they, they tend to thrive against ranked opponents. It's a night game at home. So yes, their, their most impressive win might only be a 10 to seven win against Iowa at this point, but this is absolutely not a team you can write off, you know, especially given the situation. Absolutely. And you, you touched on last year's result, a game in which Iowa State came into Manhattan and handed the Wildcats a 33 to 20, a very humbling loss, I might add at that. It was 27 to 7 late in the third quarter. K-State really from the outset in that game, you give up the the 75 yard home home run to Brees Hall on the first play from scrimmage. And and honestly, you take that out of the equation if you're K-State, if you just have your guys in position and, and fit the run and, and all things held equal, just say you go punt for punt on that first possession. That's a game where you're still very much in contention at the end of it. Cause the Wildcats did score a couple of late touchdowns to draw to within 30 to 20, but the clones had a late field goal to really ice that thing and put it away. I, I know most of the players on this current roster were, were only two to three years old. The last time K-State lost at home, to that Iowa State team, I, I'm sure fans and boosters are probably very, uh, very much aware of the fact that that 
game last year ended a, a streak that the Wildcats certainly didn't want to see end the, the, that consecutive home winning streak against Iowa State. But do, do you feel that maybe fuels the fire for this team going into this matchup here, knowing that they let one get away from them last year? Yeah, I mean, that and honestly, just, you know, the the embarrassing showing they had, you know, COVID notwithstanding in that last trip to Ames, you know. Sure. So like I said, for years and years, it felt like weird things happened, but case they'd always found a way to come out on top, whether it be Manhattan. You know, you think about like the the the, the pass from Skyler to Zuber at, at the buzzer, or you think about, you know, those those back-to-back games they played at Arrowhead, you know, back when when Snyder had come back out of retirement, one of them comes down to a blocked extra point in the last couple minutes of the game. You know, it was always a dogfight, but K-State always found a way to come out on top. And the luck, quote-unquote, kind of ran out in the last couple of years. And, yeah, I do think that that's going to weigh heavily on some of these guys. I mean, a lot of K-State's primary role players here, you know, you think about, obviously, it's Adrian Martinez's first year in purple, but, like, Deuce has not played a role in a K-State win over Iowa State. You know, Felix has not played a, a role in a K-State win Iowa State. And I don't know that there's a guy on the roster that was even around. I did, Certainly no one that would have played. You know, K-State suddenly hasn't won in Ames in five years. So, you know, I don't know if last year specifically so much is weighing heavy on them, so much as the fact that this is just a team that K-State had success against every year. And suddenly the tables have kind of turned. You know, we're looking at one win in the last four years against these guys. It has definitely been a reversal of fortunes in that regard. And, and I know K-State fans very vocal on social media about this game, but man, it's it's kind of sucked being on the wrong end of the, the thing that actually matters, which is the game. And I would, I would much rather see our guys go out there and take care of business against an Iowa State team that, again, I feel like it's it's going to throw its haymaker in this one because it, it really does need to get itself righted because if they – if Iowa State loses this game, they're in a position where that that bowl streak that started under Matt Campbell and a lot of other things are going to be called into question just because of how tough this Big 12 is shaping up to be. So this is, again, I know Kleiman has said it, the coordinators have said it, and players, I think everybody has a pretty good understanding that you're going to get the best version of Iowa State in this game. And to that point, uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier. This is a night game, 630 kick at Jack Trice, going to be carried by ESPNU. Clones made it official this week. I think everybody kind of knew when you saw the night game time announced the week prior that the black, all black uniforms and hats were on the table and they do make it official in Iowa State. From my research, I'll say is uh, seven and one in their all-black unis. Their only loss came on a neutral field uh, to the Oklahoma Sooners in that 2020 Big 12 title game. So this is going to be a an electric atmosphere and very much a a crowd that's going to be trying to help carry this team when, when things are, are going get, to get tough in this game. And it's going to be, like I said at the outset, it, it's going to be a rock fight. I don't think either team's offense is, is dynamic enough for anybody to, to get a, a 14, 17, however many point lead and really make the crowd a factor one way or the other. I just don't foresee that happening. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this one and look at the tail of the tape first with the Iowa State offense going up against the Kansas State defense. And, and frankly, Nutter, I think this is where as a Kansas State fan, you likely feel most confident based off of some of the numbers that we see that this Iowa State offense has produced through the first five games. 
Yeah, I mean, just frankly, they just have not been very good. You know, I mentioned that they they possessed the ball for 35 minutes against KU, but they only got 11 points out of it. And two of them came on an accidental two-point conversion. I don't know if you saw the game or not, but <laughs> the one touchdown they were able to punch in, there was a high snap on the extra point, and uh, the holder was actually able to pick it up and kind of deke the defenders into thinking he might pull it back and throw it, which just bought him enough time to get to the edge and, you know, get to the pylon. Shades but, of uh, Josh Cherry in that Texas game in 2010, I believe, when Kansas State got that crooked number to get to 39. I think he scored on the last touchdown the Wildcats scored in that game. He ran in uh, a, what was a botched uh, <laughs> hold into the uh, into the end zone for the two. But sorry, I'll, I'll kick No, all good. That's not a name drop I would have expected, but it's actually, you know, now that I think about <laughs> it, that's a pretty solid comparison. But yeah, you know, they just haven't been able to, you know, punch it in. It's, you know, you, you kind of look at it that way. They they hold KU to 14. You'd think that'd be enough to win. They can't get it done. But by that same token, they only need 10 to get it done against Iowa. So, you know, it, it did the, the, the theme there being, they just haven't been able to put up points and uh, haven't really been able to move the ball with any consistency. They uh, similar to what we saw against tech, you know, they, they have had trouble keeping their quarterback upright this year. I want to say they were probably about 88, 89th nationally in sacks allowed, you know, an area we just saw last week that K-State really can excel in. Um, so, yeah, you know, just knowing what K-State's defense can do, you got to think you, you feel pretty good about that. But on the flip side, this will be one of the better, if not the best defenses K-State's seen so far this year. So, you know, it's a definitely expect a, a low-scoring battle, you know, overall. Um, K-State's defense is obviously, you know, if I had to guess at this point, you know, I would say K-State's offense is better equipped to crack Iowa State's defense than the than than vice versa. But uh, you're you're going to have to play pretty sharp. You know, K- Iowa State is not with it. You know, like you look at, and I know you're going to get you know more into individual guys here in a little bit. You know, they do have some weapons at receiver. You know, and K-State has been burned in the secondary a couple times already. So you know, you do have to be ready for that. But yeah, you know, when you just look at it on paper, you know, it definitely has all the makings of a defensive struggle and one that K-State should be equipped to win. Quickly, some of the numbers to mention here at a high level for the team. Iowa State last in the Big 12 in scoring offense, 26 per game, last in the Big 12 in yards per play at 5.29, last in the Big 12 in yards per game at 381.6, last in the Big 12 in rushing offense per game at 112. And honestly, that's one thing I noticed just in kind of researching this and comparing this iteration of Iowa State to last year. This was a very balanced team last year. They averaged right around 34 pass attempts per game and 32 rush attempts per game. And yet when you have Brees Hall, who, who ended up with over 250 carries last last season, you can absolutely do that and let him shoulder a lot of the, the load in the running game and, and still stay ahead of the change when, when he's averaging, going out there averaging around five and a half or so per carry. This Iowa State team is not, not that. And this Iowa State team, frankly, I think a big reason why we've seen this team struggle to date is it just it's been constructed differently over the course of however many recruiting cycles under Campbell that they have been so reliant on a conventional bell cow running back. What the role that was filled previously by David Montgomery, who was an NFL draft pick by the Bears and most recently by Brees Hall, uh, another NFL draft pick. 
now all of a sudden Iowa State takes a step back and you look in the cupboard and, and you don't have necessarily that gifted of an athlete. The, the guy who's going to be filling the void, who I'll get to momentarily, uh, Jarrell Brock, measurables, checks in about the same, but really just from a production standpoint and, and just what he gives the offense, it's not the same type of threat that they had with Brees Hall and the aforementioned David Montgomery. So again, this team being the last place offense in the big, last offense or the worst offense in the big 12, when it comes to rushing yards per game, and also second to last in the big 12 in terms of yards per rush at uh, 3.37, again, quite a departure just from what we've grown accustomed to seeing uh, from Iowa state and Matt Campbell teams here over the last several years. And, And then to, to, parlay that with their numbers in the passing game yes Hunter Deckers the quarterback has aired it out quite a bit more he's at and Iowa State as an offense is averaging just under 270 yards passing per game but they they don't really they will take shots here and there but this is not the the big vertical threat necessarily they only average 6.9 yards per attempt and that kind of leads me into our players to watch here for this Iowa State offense. And and frankly, this is the guy it's going to start and end with this this young man for Iowa State. Wide receiver, number eight, Xavier Hutchinson, the 6'3", 205-pound senior, leads the nation in receptions with 49, obviously leads the conference, and, and he's got 14 more catches than West Virginia's Bryce Ford Wheaton. If you look down at the other metrics, 504 yards in receiving, tops in the conference, receiving touchdown, tops in the Big 12 5. So he is very much the guy that you're going to really hone in on to stop. And, and keep in mind, he also set a school record last year with 83 catches and very much much looks like he's poised to break his own record here by season's end if he keeps up at this clip. A very dynamic guy, got a great catch radius, long. And and frankly, as somebody who, who loves talking about kind of an old school type of football, this is a game where I look at how K-State's defense stacks up against it and I love the the prospect of Julius Brents going bump and run against Xavier Hutchinson two longer lanky guys and, and again Julius Brents got a pick last week he's been a pretty solid defender for Kansas State's defense thus far you've liked what you've seen out of him and I think he and Xavier Hutchinson when they are matched up together that'll be a very fun battle to keep an eye on uh, another player to watch for this Iowa State offense is quarterback, as I mentioned, Hunter Deckers. 6-2, uh, this has to be a typo in the Iowa State media notes. He's listed at 206. He is not 206. That <laughs> He might have been 206 maybe his sophomore year in high school. Certainly not now. He is a he is a thick kid at 235. He is uh, an accurate passer, one of the most accurate passers in the conference. Uh, he's completed just under 70% of his 189 <laughs> attempts. Uh, but he is not the most mobile. Uh, he has 38 carries this season for a loss of 11 yards. He is not really a threat to get outside the pocket like anybody that we've seen thus far. We, we know Dylan Gabriel had some nice wheels for Oklahoma. Donovan Smith, certainly not the type of guy who's going to run out of sight from you, but absolutely a guy you feel comfortable running the ball as Texas Tech had several designed runs for him and he converted on some short yardage situations, you're not going to see much of that from Hunter Deckers. If he pulls it on any read option type plays, it's going to be a surprise. So from a K-State fan perspective, again, and a thing that I mentioned in last week's preview heading into the Tech game, when I knew the Wildcat defense was going up against an offense that had 
a statue in the pocket, I always felt pretty confident, and especially what this defense has been able to do on the pass rush fund. Well, and I think you got to add too, you know, very similar to Texas Tech, with the exception of the fact that Donovan Smith can move around a little bit. You know, Deckers is prone to interceptions as well, something K State has really thrived at. I think we're looking at nine picks already through our first five games. You know, but uh, Deckers himself has already thrown six of them. So for as accurate as he is, he's definitely mistake prone. So, you know, that's really two things that feed really, really feed into what K State defense, what K State's defense has done well this year. Absolutely. That's that's really going to be, I think, where the Wildcats will. I, frankly, I think this is where that game is going to be decided in terms of who is going to flinch because Deckers has shown that he he's going to throw some questionable balls. They are going to force feed that ball to Xavier Hutchinson, good, bad or <laughs> or ugly. Like they are absolutely just going to try and target him north of 12. I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 per game. So that's going to give K-State's defenders opportunities because, frankly, you're, you're going to be able to likely come off of some of the other receivers in this Iowa State passing game and really put your focus on locking down Hutchinson. And again, the fact that Deckers has thrown the ball to other teams, he's thrown interceptions in all of Iowa State's games against Power 5 opponents, that makes me feel pretty good. And, and like I said, he, he's, been a, he's been sharp in the accuracy, but when the ball isn't getting completed to the receivers – there's always there's a pretty strong chance that he's putting it into harm's way. So something to be on the uh, on the watch for K-State fans. A couple other things that I'll mention here as far as players on this Iowa State offense. Uh, Jalen Knoll, a 5'10", 190-pound sophomore out of Kansas City, Missouri. Shout out to Park Hill High School. He has emerged really as a nice complement to Hutchinson. He's averaging over 10 yards a catch. He has 23 grabs for 253 yards this season. Uh, another wide receiver to keep an eye on this purely in terms of a, a matchup. Uh, number two, Sean Shaw, 6'6", 212. Uh, he only has nine catches for 93 yards this year. But just uh, as somebody, when I, I, I'm admittedly, I, I get kind of dense on this when I talk about just the physical specimen that is. But whenever you show me a wide receiver that's that tall, that does make me concerned if you get a bad matchup, you know, him perhaps lined up against Echo or whatever the case is. So that's something that I'll be keyed in on as well. Now we talked about it, uh, that the decline in the running game for Iowa State, Jarrell Brock is the one who's been carrying the load for the most part for this Iowa State offense. He's got 361 yards, averaging 5.6 per carry. Now I will say a little bit of a caveat here. He had a big 61 yard rush against Ohio in the Iowa State's uh, non-conference. You take that out of the equation, his per carry average drops well below five. He's only at about 4.7 in that case. So again, not necessarily the most explosive guy, more of a traditional banger. Uh, again, Brees Hall just had another gear. And and frankly, Jarrell Brock, outside of that one anomaly carry against Ohio has not really demonstrated the consistent ability to pop big runs. Uh, the other running back and, and the other item to consider as well with Brock is that he has been nicked up and might not be available for this game, uh, but we'll have to wait and see until game day. The other running back to mention here, Dion Silas, 5'8", 180-pound sophomore. Again, from a physicality standpoint, this is not at all what Matt Campbell normally throws out there at the running back position. Uh, again, it has just traditionally been these 6'8", 220, 230-pound, just big, 
dense, thick dudes that can pass pro and they have another gear as far as running the ball. This is not him. 5'8", 180, and he only has 110 yards rushing on the season for 3.8 per carry. He did reel in a few receptions against KU. Uh, so, again, you don't necessarily have the most dynamic personnel on the running back side of things. And another thing I'll mention here, again, just I, I hate underscoring a lot of the transition from 21 to 22, but Iowa State had some all-timers at tight end last year, namely Charlie Kohler, and and also to compliment him was Chase Allen. Those two combined for 88, 88 catches, excuse me, for just over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. And as of right now, Iowa State is just kind of piecemealing things at that position. They don't necessarily have a game breaker there. They've got four tight ends who have recorded at least two catches. But again, there's just from what I've seen and watching and looking at numbers and whatnot, there there isn't necessarily the guy that you can just throw it up to like Kohler, who was just a matchup nightmare with his size. So again, that's that's the Iowa State offense in a nutshell here. And another a question I'll ask you just, uh, and this might be rhetorical here, but are, are you really scared of anybody on this Iowa State offense with the exception of Xavier Hutchinson? I mean, you know, from a number standpoint, no, not really. You know, that said, you know, I think about guys that might have a little extra motivation, like for instance, Jalen Knoll, you mentioned his name. You know, that's an interesting guy. If you follow K-State recruiting very closely, you're going to hear a lot of familiar names in this game. There have been a handful of kids that, Campbell and Kleiman have gone head to head for deep, deep into recruiting cycles. And there for a while, uh, Campbell was had a pretty damn good track record. You look at guys like Noel or guys on defense like Miles Purchase or or Bo Frailer, who are both among, you know, their leading tacklers for the season. But uh, looking at the offense, you know, a, a guy like Noel, he, he was the one who muffed the punt against KU this past week. You know, he's probably a little more motivated to go up, go up there and show out. So, but no, in terms of numbers, I don't know if there's any one guy I'm zeroed in on besides Hutchinson, but if anything, that probably makes them all that more dangerous, right? Because there's not any one guy you're really zeroed in on past that. Very true. And again, this is an offense that's, as I said, it's just been built differently over the last several years and they don't really, this personnel that they have right now doesn't really necessarily adhere to the type of identity that Matt Campbell and his offensive coordinator, Tom Manning, have tried to craft uh, their their pass attempt numbers. Right now, they're averaging just under 40 pass attempts per game. Again, that's up about six from the year prior. And they haven't just necessarily recruited to that style of offense. So I think this is they're, – they're going through a learning curve themselves, just trying to figure out what they can do and, and what types of calls they can make in certain situations and feel comfortable with Hunter Decker's going out there and executing. Cause right now, again, he's, and keep in mind too, he's just making his sixth start for Iowa state. And, and there's a lot of these guys that have been around in the program. You see a lot of juniors, a lot of, and some guys that are seniors as well that have been around, but just have not seen snaps just by virtue of the fact that there were again, so many all timers on that last uh, last year's version of Iowa state. So to move forward here, keys for the cats. Uh, one thing I'm going to say right off the bat, pressure, 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 and Nutter. Uh, one thing I saw that made me very happy, Tyler Miller, who is just a sophomore, made his first start last week. He will be making his second start against at the left tackle position. I think it's yeah. pretty safe to say King Felix needs to go out and eat. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look at what he and what he and Khalid Duke did um, 
against uh, Texas Tech. You know, I know Kleiman said they had designed a wrinkle to get those guys on the same side of the field. And, you know, if that's something you can exploit again this week, you got to go out and get it done. You, you got to play to your strengths. I said that it's Tech was one of the worst in the country and giving up sacks and K-State got home six times. You know, I think if you if you can look for a similar day from Duke and, and Felix and whoever else wants to get in on the action, you can look for a similar output this week. I think you're, you're going to be having a you're going to be having a good evening. And K-State's defense, again, has acquitted itself quite nicely in my my estimation. Opponent, opposing quarterbacks only averaging 6.4 yards per attempt. The Wildcats have forced nine interceptions. And again, just knowing that we're going into a game in which we've seen a quarterback who's prone to throwing some questionable passes, I, I have to feel pretty confident that this back end, the way that it's been for performing will likely come away with a ball or two this Saturday. And that leads into my next key for K-State. You, you can't let Hutchinson beat you by himself. You can't let him have the 15 catch 228 yard, three touchdown type performance. If he goes for eight catches for 102 and maybe has one score, I think you're pretty happy with that, but you just can't let him go off in this game. And, and really my final key for this K-State defense, which has been solid enough against the run. And, and again, some, some numbers, I won't say inflated necessarily, but I just think by virtue of the fact that you've played two of the more prolific offenses in the conference, K-State numbers on defense, perhaps a little bit higher than they, than they truly are. This, this rush defense has been, has been fine enough for Kansas State, just what, what they've been able to limit opponents to, just 143 yards on the ground per game, just under, uh, right at four yards per carry for K-State. Uh, I, I think the big thing is you just don't let Iowa State get going in the run game. Regardless of who's carrying the ball, just don't let that become a factor. I know that's a pretty dumb and easy key to throw out there, but it was very much the same thing that I mentioned against Texas Tech. You, you don't want to give them any reason to get you more off balance on defense. You knew Texas tech was going to throw the ball 50 times. And frankly, Iowa state might come in with a similar type game plan when they're going to throw the ball between 40 and 45 times this game. So you don't want to give them anything easy in the running game and just make sure that if they're beating you, it is up through the air. So that's my, my big takeaway is, is force Hunter Deckers to beat you, force him to beat you throwing beyond those intermediate routes, because quite frankly, that's the only thing that he's really proven he can consistently hit here in his first few games. Those are the keys that I'm going to be locked in on for the Wildcats this week. So, so we're going to go ahead and transition now looking at this game as the K-State offense and how it matches up against the Iowa State defense. And Justin, I know we've alluded to it a couple of times now, and those numbers for Iowa State may be a bit inflated, but you can't help but be impressed with, uh, with what they've done to date uh, as far as their defensive stats go. Yeah, I mean, they are first in the Big 12 in almost every key metric. You know, they're, they've only given up 14, a little more than 14 points a game. Um little bit more than 255 yards per game. One thing that's really of note for K-State fans, they are first in the Big 12 in rushing defense, and I believe eighth nationally in rushing defense, only giving up 83 yards a pop. You know, I know K-State's running game really got unhinged last week, so that's something they're going to want to keep going. But this, like I said, will be, you know, the most stout rushing unit they've faced so far. Um, and the, again, they're tops in the league in passing defense, and I want to say like top 15 or so nationally there as well. Um Yards per play, first in the league, 
Uh, they're really good on third down. They're only giving up uh, conversions about 28% of the time. And then they have forced uh, nine takeaways so far, second only to K-State in the Big 12 there. So, you know, K-State have going to have their work cut out for them, you know, really in, in both facets of the offense. And this is not one where you can afford to, you know, come out of sleep at the wheel. You really you really need to get going, get going in this one. You don't want to give them life any longer than you have to. Absolutely. And they, if K-State does do what they've done here in the first couple of conference games, if we see the Wildcats win the toss and, and take ball – an early 10 to nothing. If you run down and get a touchdown on that opening possession and, and if you're able to get a stop and get ball back a, a two score lead in a game like this would be massive and it would go a long way just in shaping how this one's going to play out. Because I, again, I think this one's going to go below the total as far as uh, the number, the, uh, the Vegas uh, over under goes. And again, any, any opportunity that you have if to, to get a possession here early and to go down the field, potentially score and take that lead right out of the shoot. I think you do that because I think this is an Iowa state team and a crowd that's going to get pretty tense, pretty quick in a game like this, especially. Uh, so any type of lead that you're able to mount in this, this type of contest, I think is going to go a long way, like I said, in shaping the outcome. So you hit you hit it like they're pretty much first in 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 the Big 12 and all the key numbers there. Uh, players to keep an eye on as far as this Iowa State defense goes. The Leo position, Will McDonald, uh, he, for all intents and purposes, they they call it Leo, but he's a defensive end, six three, two hundred thirty six pound senior, thirty and a half career sacks, only the fourth player in Big 12 history to eclipse the thirty mark, and he's on damn near every watch list. The Ben Narek, the Walter Camp, the Lombardi, Nagurski, he is a monster and he gets after the pass uh the passer so it's going to be a pretty tall order for whoever he's lined up across from be that duffy or leviston and, and we did hear as far as the uh as far as kt uh, excuse me kt leviston goes uh that he just got poked in the eye last week he did come out and miss some snaps but all indications are it's going to be perfectly fine, going to be good to go uh, for the Wildcats on the offensive line front. And we know K-State's a little thin in that group at the moment, but as of right now, uh, with the exception of Potier, uh, the starters that we've seen here throughout conference play will be the guys, the front five that you'll see for the Wildcats this coming Saturday. So a big task there in attempting to limit Will McDonald. Now uh, you go to the next level of the defense, the middle linebacker, Orion Vance, 27 tackles on the season, four and a half tackles, four loss, a couple of forced fumbles and a recovery. Uh, he's, he's an experienced dude. Frankly, he's one of the few holdovers uh, from this, uh, from that great unit from last season. And he's a guy to keep an eye on there in the middle. Uh, again, Jim Heacock's defense is, is pretty well known and understood They they were really the pioneers as far as the big 12 goes in, in, in bringing in that three, three, five alignment and deploying it. So you, you're going to have a very fundamentally sound defense and one that knows where to be now, again, the way that Orion Vance is built a stick at two sixty, a much more, uh, a guy that, oh man, would fit right in in 1997 with the horse collar on and everything. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he is, uh, but still, he's playing at a very high level. And running alongside him, a guy, I know you touched on Nutter, uh, a guy that K-State was battling for uh, for him in recruiting was Colby Reeder, the Delaware transfer, and the Wildcats were, were in that battle pretty deep into the recruiting cycle last season and ultimately 
uh, it was Iowa State who ended up winning his services, and he's been a, a breath of fresh air at that position. They needed to replace a lot of guys. Mike Rose, uh, the first one that comes to mind there, and uh, Colby Reader at 6'4 and 242 pounds has been rock solid for them this season. It's 23 tackles on the year, one and a half tackles for loss, a couple of pass breakups to go along with a couple of interceptions, uh, both he and Daniel Green. I know that was mentioned. It's just odd that you have a couple of linebackers with multiple picks, but uh, that's what this game is going to showcase as far as the defense go, uh, defenses go. And then on the back end, you have the dean of this Iowa State secondary, Anthony Johnson, who's slated to make his 42nd consecutive start at free safety. The six foot, 207 pound senior has 19 tackles on the year, a couple of pass breakups and one interception. So again, the, the numbers, everything that you read about this Iowa state defense, this is absolutely where they make their hay. And if you're an Iowa state fan, this is, this is the unit, frankly, that you're going to lean on to win you this game. Iowa state fans are likely going into this thinking and hoping that they're going to get a couple of turnovers out of this K state offense, which, uh, up until last week, it's still uh, even so with uh, with Deuce Vaughn's fumble last week taken into consideration has still been remarkably good at taking care of the football knock on wood for the Wildcats. And I, I think that leads nicely into my keys to the to the game for K-State. Uh, first and foremost, be smart in, in this type of a game. Uh, again, this is a defense that while. You don't necessarily have a, a ton of returning experience. If you look at uh, the guys that are starting at each level, you see a lot of guys that are just being introduced to starters. So you're seeing guys that are making maybe their fourth or fifth start this year for Iowa State. But there is enough experience there and, and just, again, confidence within Hecox's system for this unit to fly around, play fast, hit you, know where to be. So this is going to be a very prepared defensive unit. So for K-State, be smart. And again, that gets that that's I know that's a very broad key that I mentioned there, but that encompasses taking care of the ball, not forcing the issue in the passing game, not trying to to really press the issue to get extra yards when you're surrounded by this defense. Because, again, one one or two turnovers in this type of a game could just be huge in terms of swinging momentum and ultimately deciding the outcome of this. So be be smart if you're Kansas State this week. And also, I, I think this kind of dovetails nicely into my next key. And again, these are very broad strokes, things that I'm mentioning here, but patience from this K-State offense. I think Iowa State's defense, while I, I've sung its praises here throughout these last couple of minutes, I, I do think in the same breath, this is a, a defense that hasn't really been confronted with the dynamic personnel that K-State has on the offensive side of the ball with Adrian Martinez being not just one of the top rushers in all the big 12, but the top rushing quarterback in, in college football, you have Deuce Vaughn far and away the leader in, in the big 12 and rushing yards. And he hasn't even found the end zone here in the last three games. I mean, a couple of crazy statistical anomalies uh, with that being said, like I said, you're, you're going to, if you go out and execute the way that you, we know you're capable of executing, you, the opportunities are going to be there against this Iowa State defense. Uh, the key thing, I think, in that respect is just going to be patient because Iowa State is going to do everything in its power to make this game slow and frustrating. So there's going to be possessions where if you get off schedule, you get knocked down for a three or four yard loss on first down. 
it might be one of those things where I know fans are going to hate to have to suck it up, but it's 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 going to be tough to to gain those yards back and make up that possession, uh, or to to keep that possession going. I should say so. Be patient. Pick your spots in this game. Don't force the issue again. Ball security going to be paramount. And, and then the last thing I think, uh, which again really all just kind of parlays with what I've said uh, to date. Learn from the Tulane game. That's the biggest thing because this is going to be, from a stylistic standpoint, a, a very similar game. It's going to be low scoring. And, and again, you, you don't want to get put in a position where you're getting too aggressive and going for it in certain spots on the field where you shouldn't be and really trying to press against this Iowa State offense, which frankly to date hasn't been all that impressive. You don't want to give them extra chances. You don't want to give them opportunities with short fields. So as I said, uh, th- this more so ties into what I want to see from the coordinators, obviously, and specifically Colin Klein, just make sure that you, you, you demonstrate that you've learned from the Tulane game and Nutter, I, I did have a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you as uh, beyond the keys here. I know we've seen this K-State offense really kind of turn the page and revert back to what we grew so accustomed to seeing uh, with Bill Snyder in the latter part of the 2 L era, a lot of emphasis on the QB run game, just, Broadly, how do you feel about what you've seen from the K-State offense in that sense, just with Adrian Martinez running as much as he has in recent weeks? You know, I mean, if it's getting it done, I'm completely fine going back to that well as much as we need to. Obviously, the concern is, you know, Martinez's durability. He already had injury issues coming in from Nebraska. But, uh, you know, someone uh, texted me during the West, excuse me, the uh, Texas Tech game and asked, you know, is this are Martinez and Deuce, are they Roberson and Sproles 2.0? And a lot of regards, they are. The difference being, you know, L would let it rip a little more um, and would take more downfield shots than we've seen out of Martinez so far. You know, I would like to see a little bit more of the passing game, if for no other reason than, like I said earlier, it keeps the defense honest and really, you know, opens up more opportunities for the running game. But no, I mean, if you if that's what's working, I would go until it's not working anymore. It's been very interesting to watch what K-State has done under Kleiman because one thing I noticed last season was that we didn't really see Deuce Vaughn participate much in the passing game through the non-con and then all of a sudden conference play rolls around and Deuce Vaughn ultimately ends up being K-State's leading receiver on the season and and when you think about it he does that just in the span of the nine conference games Uh, he ends up racking up I believe it was 46 receptions in conference play last season and this is kind of another wrinkle we we didn't really see Adrian Martinez with a ton of design runs early on we saw a couple against Missouri uh, a much far more than I think we were expecting to see against Tulane, but in the same breath, just a day in which the offense didn't have much going uh, on on any front. And now all of a sudden we just see a really concerted effort to get back to QB power, doing the guard H pull counter tackle action, like just a lot of things that we saw in that latter part of the Snyder 2-0 era. So I'm, I'm very interested to see if that's going to be, the focus this week, uh, I don't think this is an Iowa State defense. While I do believe they haven't seen anybody the caliber of Adrian Martinez as far as a running quarterback goes, I don't think this is the type of defense that's just going to allow him to average 15 yards a carry on 12 totes. Uh, I, I would love to see that, and I think K-State wins this game pretty handily if that is, in fact, the case. Yeah. But 
but I, I don't foresee that being uh, a fact or the, the case this coming Saturday. So he, to your point, we're, we're going to need to see a little bit more from Adrian in the passing game. And again, he's been fine throwing the ball from an accuracy perspective, hitting around 62% of his throws. And, and again, I think this is, very similar to Oklahoma, where if you can you can stretch and get a couple of those deep shots, be it you know uh, a comeback to Malik, if it's the, that seam route to Senate, or if Sammy Wheeler gets involved, whoever it might be, I think if you can just do a little bit early on. And again, I think this is an Iowa State team that is going to play tense. That's the, that's just my initial read on it. Could be completely off base, but I just think this is an Iowa State team that knows there's a lot of things hanging in the balance here. And they are going to play this game very tight. And I know everybody's seen that that tweet that uh, Chris Felica, the bear, uh, put out about how Matt Campbell, how he handles games when he's either a short favorite or a short dog, regardless of whether he's home or away. It's uh, he, he always coaches those games pretty tight. And it'll be interesting to see if that is, in fact, the case. And I think this is a game, like I said, if K-State can get any kind of an early lead and put Iowa State behind the eight ball, it's an offense that's not necessarily engineered to, to come back from deficits and certainly multiple score deficits. So from Kansas state's perspective, get things cooking early on offense. I think you'll be in a pretty good spot. Now. I, I guess one last thing I'll mention here is we, we touch on specials, uh, uh, a question to you, Nutter knock on wood here, but I, I feel like this is a, an area where K state can, can make up some ground just with a couple of the the numbers that we see. But Chris Tennant, uh, how, how are you feeling just about his, his performance here in recent weeks? Yeah. You know, like you said, knock on wood, I'm almost afraid to say it out loud, but I believe he's made seven in a row. He hasn't missed one since, uh, since the botched attempt in the Missouri game. Um, you know, he's been pretty reliable on point, uh, you know, PATs. So, uh, overall, you know, I think he's, he's probably coming in feeling a little more, you know, mentally grounded than, than his counterpart for Iowa state is, you know, having just missed three field goals in a three point loss. So uh, yeah, you know, if, if it came down to it, I would feel much more comfortable now than I did even a couple of weeks ago. Jace Gilbert is the kicker for Iowa state. He is a freshman. He is six of nine on his attempts. So again, had been cruising along pretty well and then went on the road and just did not have any sort of luck. And again, he had the muff punt and uh, there was a long kick return against KU um, another thing I'll mention, Tornado Birds are actually last in the Big 12 in net punting. So, again, this is a game where K-State first in that category. I think this is a game where specials can can play a pretty big role as far as return game goes for Kansas State. We haven't seen Phil Brooks really have a chance to, to, to get his hands on a ball here lately, and Malik Knowles hasn't had many opportunities to return it, many either. But K-State's really been chomping at the bit to, to, to get some opportunities in the return game. And we'll see if that plays a factor this coming Saturday. We haven't had um, a house call since Missouri. Have we? Yeah. I was going to yeah. say it's it. And we did have that big kick return from Malik in, in the Oklahoma game. So we'll, we, we'll see what happens. Hopefully there aren't too many kick returns for this K state te- team against Iowa state. Uh, but if they do, if Iowa state does elect to get gutsy and, and kick his direction, uh, he's shown that he has the ability to break it. So, Let's go ahead and get set to, to close this one down. Uh, picks to pop. 
Uh, Nutter, I'll go ahead and uh, kick it over to you here. Give me one guy on offense and one guy on defense for K-State this Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to go a little off script on offense. I know it's technically technically not offense, but, you know, we just talked about him. This seems like a game that could da- could come down to kicking. So, you know, I'm I'm actually going to go with Chris Tennant to just keep, keep it rolling and, you know, do what he's been doing the last several weeks. Um, and then on defense, you know, we've, we've touched on it pretty clearly that, you know, they have one very clear, most dangerous weapon on offense. And, you know, we've got an NFL caliber corner in Julius Brents who had a pick last week, um, you know, definitely got his name called a couple of times in Norman. So, you know, I, you, you got to look for him to, uh, to keep Xavier Hutchinson at bay and, you know, really make them try to beat you with, with other guys that are maybe a little bit less proven. I like both of those calls, and I'm I'm going to go the the more conventional route this week. I'm going to zig where you zag here, Nutter. Offensively for K State, I think if this is a game that the Wildcats do end up winning, it's it's again on the back of Adrian Martinez uh, doing just enough in in the passing game and and likely providing some big time runs. I think back and again, I, I hate making the parallel to 2012, but this I remember that game against Iowa State back then when when again it was a very pedestrian Iowa State team, but they went punch for punch with that K State team that went into that game six and zero and feeling good about itself. And the Wildcats ultimately able to prevail in Ames 27 to 21. I think this game is heading very much that same type of direction and that game was really defined by uh, a couple of big plays by Colin Klein in the running game, hit a couple of deep shots. I remember one in particular to Tyler Lockett. Um, I think this is kind of a similar script where if the Wildcats can connect on, I, I don't think you need to hit more than maybe three chunk plays in your passing game, uh, you know, 20 plus yard type plays in the passing game. If you're able to do that and if Deuce and Adrian are able to even give you 70% of the type of production they've given you over the last two weeks, I think this is a game where the Wildcats come away with it. So I'm going to look to Adrian Martinez on offense again, doing just enough to keep this Iowa State defense off balance uh, in the passing game and still allowing the offensive line to create some running lanes for him so he can gash them in that respect. Again, I'm not expecting another 170-yard performance, but would would certainly take, Adrian, if you can give us one. Uh, defensively, a guy been pretty quiet here recently. Uh, I like Daniel Green. Um he only had five tackles against Texas tech and and being at the Oklahoma game. I just never felt like he was getting his name called. And, and, and I know he was obviously there and, and started for K state, but he, he was just quiet in that game. And I think he's going to be poised to have a big, big type of game here against Iowa state, just by virtue of the type of attack that they run. Again, you have a very, straightforward running style with a, a, a less than dynamic group uh, grouping of running backs. So I don't, I think when they do run between the tackles, again, you're going to be calling his name a lot uh, as far as stopping the run goes. And I think again, as far as it passing game, when, when Deckers does put it up, they run a lot of short and intermediate stuff. And, and he's going to likely be called upon plenty of times here in coverage, because we mentioned too all the tight ends and all the packages that Campbell likes to throw out there as well on, uh, on offense that have extra blockers and, and you kind of disguise it as a, as a run formation. And then uh, you say Jake Russ pop out for a, for a catcher or whoever it might be. Um, I think Daniel Green's poised to have a big game for the Wildcats. And again, I just think he's going to be called on to do a lot for this K-State defense. So those are my picks, Martinez and Daniel Green. And to wrap this one up, let's go ahead and jump into it here. 
Who do you got this Saturday? And can you give me a score, Nutter? Uh, yeah, I saw I saw yours written in the outline here, and that's actually the exact score I'd been thinking all week. But that's why I, I put it steal, there, my man. <laughs> I won't steal it from you. Um, so just to be different, you know, I think it's going to be relatively low scoring. You know, I think on paper I like a lot of the matchups in K State's favor, but it's Ames and it's at night, and I'll never be able to get over that. That said, I do think K State will go ahead and gut this one out. I'm going to go Cats 24 21. Good call. Yeah, I, I I would be I'd be surprised if this game. I know I saw Stats of War put out his predictions with, and those numbers always seem a little yoked in my mind when I see like I think he was his numbers were calling for like thirty one to twenty eight, twenty nine ish. I, I would be stunned if we saw a total of sixty in this game, uh, just based off of what these teams have shown. Frankly, on both sides of the ball, and I think the fact that K State hasn't seen defense of this caliber, and, and Iowa State's offense really has just been stagnant and hasn't seen a case. To, and frankly, I think this is probably going to be the best defense that Iowa State's seen, maybe outside of Iowa. So it's it's going to be very very much uh, a couple of stagnating forces moving against pretty uh, stalwart objects. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there as far as the scoring goes. I have K State winning this one. 24 to 20. Uh, again, I, I think there's a uh, an extra incentive for Kleiman. Again, fans have been very vocal about this rivalry here in recent years, and, and it clearly does mean a lot to the fan base. And again, we talk about how much it means to K-State as well in terms of recruiting and so many of the battles that K-State has lost to Iowa State in the recruiting game was really what allowed Iowa State to, to get over the hump and, and win three out of the last fours because they were winning a lot of services for these guys. So with that being said, I, I think Kleiman knows there's a, there's an extra incentive to go out and get this one. I think you have a team that, again, is playing confidently. I think you have a team that's also learned from the Tulane game. I think Colin Klein is continuing to feel more comfortable as a play caller. And, and like I said, I trust this Kansas State defense, everything that it's shown me to date makes me believe that it will be able to limit this Iowa state offense enough and give K state a chance to win. So again, I've got the cats going out and getting it done 24 to 20. And it would be huge for this Kansas state team. If it is able to go into the bye week three and O in big 12 play. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and close this one down. We thank you, our loyal listeners, for the download or stream on whatever your preferred app is. As we said at the outset, follow us on Twitter again at college underscore Kimball. With the bye week upcoming, we will be soliciting questions for a Q&A episode. So be on the lookout for that and drop us your questions as we get set to go into the bye week. And with all that said, I'm going to go ahead and close it out the way I always do. Cats, man, if you know, you know. Let's go get a dub. Get to move! Get to move! Get to move!